Faith Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bublitz, and welcome back to the 16th Sunday after Pentecost for the week of September 12th, 2021, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig into this week's podcast, and I'm excited that we have gotten to this point in the year. It's just kind of amazing that we have gotten to this point of the year, and there's a lot of things to kind of be thinking about and kind of remembering. First and foremost, here, me being a, a United States citizen with us just having passed the 20-year anniversary of 9-11, I feel like it would be just not right to at least not acknowledge that this has been something now that's been 20 years since the initial 9-11. So, and it's kind of amazing to think about how much time has passed. I know for me, I was still in grade school when that all happened, and I distinctly remember what was all going on and the craziness of that day. But it's something I think, especially as we are looking at these texts and thinking about these texts, I think it is something to also kind of remember and to think about and just acknowledge. That's something that a lot of times that these different things that are sometimes outside the church do influence how we are looking at and thinking about texts. And so I think it is something to be considering here and thinking about. Also, one of the things I will also acknowledge, the small hallmark holiday of the 12th being Grandparents' Day. So make sure that you at least give them some type of acknowledgement this week. I think it would be worth your time and worth your while. So before we jump into this week, we have to look back at last week, which the Twitter question was, where do you need to give God praise this week? Where do you need to recognize God doing something amazing in your life that maybe you haven't acknowledged before? And one of them that I got back this last week is just acknowledging the amazingness of having kids around. And a lot of different places with kids are getting back to school and just acknowledging that amazing thing. Just having kids around and the encouragement, excitement, energy that they can all bring to a situation But I think it's also worth thinking about just the different people in our lives that are worth saying hello, worth saying you have made an impact on me. I know for this last week there was a couple different people that I acknowledge even maybe through their parents or different things that the impact that they've had on my life. And I think it's worth recognizing that you have impact on people's lives, whether you realize it or not. And sometimes it's in very easy ways and really easy to be seen. And sometimes it's in those more mysterious ways, those simple ways of just being who you are and being a role model for someone. And I think that's a lot of times something that we overlook. And it's a lot of times it takes us a little bit later in life. And those are the people that a lot of times they we need to make sure we go back and acknowledge. And I can think of a lot of different people who I'm both related to and not related to that have done that to me. And it's a lot of reasons why I'm in the seat talking to you right now. If it wasn't for those types of people that I could look up to, that it would be a lot harder to do this and probably I wouldn't be doing it. So let's just jump right into it. Again, we have the do different alternative Old Testament text, but this week it'll be a little bit different and I'll get into it. But first, the alternative Old Testament text is from Proverbs chapter 1, verses 20 to 33. A lot of these texts this week, you're going to acknowledge 
the aspect of the Holy Spirit in and amongst people and what that is doing for them. So here, Proverbs acknowledging that wisdom can come to us in all these different places and it can be in the town square being cast out, but yet how many times we refuse that. We look around, we will look for all these different other answers other than the one that is literally being cried out diligently and that sometimes then people will turn away from God and are looking for the answers that are not as readily there because they fear and because they want something that isn't as easily figured out at times it seems like. And so that's kind of that proverb text of keeping our eyes and ears open to what is the wisdom that is trying to be proclaimed to us. So this week then with that text you have either a psalm or coming from the Song of Solomon or Wisdom of Solomon. So you have a couple different texts there. So the psalm that's related with that is Psalm 19. And it's the acknowledgement then of the voice or the Holy Spirit trying to reach out to humanity and how again often we reject to see how much of this can then be passed on generation to generation, but also the acknowledgement of what God has done in creation and all these beautiful things that are around us and how this is something that we are looking for, we are trying to find, but yet we ignore it at times. The alternative then to that would be from the Song of Solomon or Wisdom of Solomon, chapter 7, verses 26 to chapter 8, verse 1. And again, it's this similar theme here of the Holy Spirit is the one who renews. The Holy Spirit is the one that does give wisdom and that it is this amazing gift and is trying to reach out to us and give us these reflections of wisdom, but how often we are to miss it or look other ways. And it's something that's passed generation to generation. And that's kind of fun to think about. I think a lot of times we forget how much the wisdom of God is passed generation to generation. So the other Old Testament reading that you have to choose from is from Isaiah chapter 50 verses 4 to 9a. This is a really fun one with where we are going with the James text this week. So verse 4 here, the Lord God has given me the tongue of a teacher that I may know how to sustain the weary with word. Morning by morning he wakes me, wakens my ear to listen to those who are taught. This idea then of us at times struggling with what we're told, that we're trying to insult the speaker by pulling out beard hairs like in verse 6, but how God is trying to reach out to us consistently. And it's the question of, Are we going to listen and acknowledge that and then look for that comfort that comes from that where God is trying to contend with all these different things that we are fighting over, also help us with our enemies and confront them and get us through these difficult times. The psalm this week is Psalm 116 verses 1 to 9. This is again a prayer of God, listen to these things that I am struggling with and I am trying to reach out and to hear you and to 
recognize the different gifts that you are able to give me, like returning my soul and giving me rest and protecting me and delivering me from death and delivering me from my tears and my stumbling, that the Lord is this provider, but again, it's this relationship and listening out for then the voice of wisdom. The New Testament text or second reading is from James chapter 3 verses 1 to 12. And what is fun with this comes in verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers and sisters, for for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. So this kind of fun juxtaposition, also realizing just how much later this is written. And also James, as we've kind of noticed the last few weeks, is calling out some of this false teaching and different things and how we should be a person of action with our words. But on top of that, then it gets into, in the middle here, verses 5, 6, and 7, and to 8, how harmful the tongue can be that it's this beast that we aren't able to tame and as humans we're able to tame all these different things but the poison that can come from the tongue and again recognizing that the mouth can be used for both blessing and curse coming from verse 10 and James trying to have us recognize that this is something that can be both a blessing and a curse But yet we're trying to make sure that it's bringing life, that it's bringing good water, it's bringing something that's good coming out of it so that we need to be able to kind of contain ourselves at times. The Gospel text this week is out of Mark chapter 8 verses 27 to 38. So Jesus is with his disciples in Caesarea Philippi and he starts by asking his disciples, who do people say that I am? They rattle off John the Baptist, Elijah, other prophets. And then he changes the question, but who do you say that I am? Peter responds with, you are the Messiah. He then tells them not to tell anyone. This is a continued theme within Mark. And we've even heard it the last few weeks. And then he then kind of goes through that he's going to have to suffer and die and brought before the elders and the chief priests and scribes and are rejected by them. This is when Peter then takes him aside and rebukes him. And Jesus then states with, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind on not on divine things, but on human things. And then he goes, he calls a crowd of disciples and continues this thing of, If you want to be my disciples, you have to deny yourselves and pick up your cross and follow me. For those who will save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole wide world to forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and my words in their adulterous and sinful generation of them, the Son of Man will be ashamed when they come to the glory of his Father with the holy angels. So this, again, idea of how Christ is calling for a lot of us and it means giving all of us and that we are making sure that we are putting God first. So before we jump into how faith and science come together this week, we have to do our shameless plugs full. 
Working Preacher, if you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I highly recommend it between their Sermon Brainways podcast, their commentaries, their discussions. Since I'm not an ordained minister, I use them on a weekly basis to be able to bring you this podcast. I love having multiple commentaries to be able to go through especially difficult text, along with their Working Preacher podcast, having three to four different seminary professors who are working with this and are trying to train pastors to talk about these texts. I find it extremely helpful. But the other resource that I really enjoy using is the lectionary coming from vanderbilt.edu. I really enjoy this because, one, I like how they lay out the text and being able to have all the text together, but also having the different art there. It's so refreshing to be able to have the art there to compare and contrast how other people have interpreted these texts from all around the world, just in visual representation. It's really, really helpful. It's an amazing resource to be able to check out. So if you haven't checked out workingpreacher.org or the lectionary coming from vanderbilt.edu, I'd highly recommend both of these resources. Pick up your cross and follow me, denying oneself for the sake of the gospel. That's a lot to ask. That's a big ask. But yet, this is something that really isn't that uncommon in a different way. Because what is Jesus talking about here? He's talking about making sure that you're reflecting God. If we look at these texts, we have a lot talking about acknowledging the Holy Spirit, working with the Holy Spirit, making sure that we are embedding the Holy Spirit within us, making sure that the tongue is corralled enough to be able to speak the Holy Spirit through us and making sure that we are being a reflection of what Jesus is wanting us to be. That our lives is continuing the mission of what Jesus sent us to be. A lot of times in science, there has been times where someone has picked up a cross or picked up something and the world didn't acknowledge or understand the importance of what they were actually doing until maybe they, after they were gone and after being rebuked for what they did, that suddenly then we realize later that, oh, they were right. And I'll attach some links down below. There's some of these we've talked about before. Semi-wise with washing his hands. We've talked about the solar system and all the different people, Articus, that have been part of that. Copernicus, Johannes Kepler, even getting into Da Vinci. We've talked about Avogadro's Law before, I'm fairly confident. We've talked about Gregor Mendel and the history of inheritance and how a monk that was able to change history... And I think we've talked about this person a little bit before, but I'm going to go a little bit deeper into this this week. Alfred Wegener talking about continental drift. But I'll attach some other links down below. This is a very common thing, which is kind of sad how much we often overlook the power of what these people are doing in the time that they're doing it. That we are arrogant to what they're doing or just not willing to acknowledge what they are doing. And so it makes it difficult. And it's sad that we have gotten to this point. So who was Alfred Wegener? Alfred Wegener was essentially a world climate scientist studying it through history and this was something that was really intriguing to him and so this is something then he decided to do 
his life's work in. And so him being born in 1880 and then carrying through his whole life into 1930 until his tragic demise. And we'll get into that briefly here at the end. But he was noticing as he's taking his classes in meteorology and geophysics, the obvious things of where you start looking at the continents, and specifically Africa and South America, how it looks like the pieces should come together. Like, they look like they're there, and he just thought it was too coincidental that you would happen to have the idea being at the time that, yes, there was a great landmass at one point here, and that the ocean just happened to take over this land in between. And when he's looking at it, he just thought, that's too coincidental. He then further went and started studying the paleontology or the fossil correlations on this and started noticing that there were certain species of both plants and dinosaurs that were correlated with these regions. So like one of the things in particular, and I'll attach a video that's really well done. It comes from 2018, but kind of just really summarizing things well. Specific dinosaur species that would be to the southern tip of Argentina and the southern tip of South Africa and how it was a freshwater species. And so an ocean being in between wouldn't work and just happen to have them evolve in the same way would be really weird. This idea then of things coming together. And the further that he went, he started recognizing that the rocks and mountain correlations, even here in eastern United States, and tying that back to Sweden and England and how it was the same type of rock made the same type of way, even getting into how the coal deposits that we have around the world, in order to make those, it takes tropical plants and then being able to be cooled under pressure and then going into colder regions. He was able to notice like, yeah, these things are lining up, the lines are lining up, but also things are moving around in some way. And that's where he was starting to take core samples and starting to notice like there's something going on here that the climate at different points was different ways and different things at different times. And how alike we were talking about the rocks are lining up with these different things. But he died in 1930. And the issue and the biggest thing that he ran into was how scientists of the time just then well, how did they move? How did these big land masses move? And that was something Wagner was never able to get his head around. And tragically, he was found in Greenland in 1930 on an expedition that he froze to death and was never able to really wrap his head around it as he was trying to gather more data and trying to figure out more things. And the whole idea of continental drift through tectonic plates really took off about 30 years after he died when we were starting to understand tectonic plates and how there's things underneath. And this is just something he wasn't able to, one, get his head around, much less others' heads around. 
And now this is the major way that people talk about this is, yeah, okay, yeah, there was continental drift through using of tectonic plates to be able to get these land masses to separate and that there's all these different ones. And and we've talked about this and we even get a little bit back into last week talking about green fluorescent protein and how there's a lot of times that we don't have the foresight as people to be able to acknowledge something that really is amazing going on at a time and being able to then one give the recognition so when we're looking at a text here like what jesus is talking about and him foretelling his death and resurrection that would have been very hard to hear it's very hard for us to hear now just to be able to process and to think about what that would be like and a lot of times when we are confronted in our life with these monumental moments we struggle with them When we think about here in the States having the recognition of the 20 years of 9-11, I remember people talking about what is next and thinking about that and how do we move forward. We had in the generations prior, and I know these are United States examples, but the assassination of JFK. You had the bombing of Pearl Harbor. World War One, World War Two could definitely fit into these categories of how is life going to continue moving forward. We even have silent ones talking about the Spanish flu, which we've learned a lot more about now. And for me, even recognizing that the Spanish flu was not that much, was after the Great Hinkley fires up by where I'm growing up and spending time here in Minnesota. It's amazing to think about these different major turning points in a lot of people's lives and how often we don't necessarily fully know how it's going to change things or fully recognize where we're moving or this was a moment that the world changed. I mean, think about where we are right now. And in March of 2020, even if you had told people at the beginning of the month that we were about to enter something that was going to change the world, you know, how many of us thought that this virus was going to be just a quick and easy thing? We we shelter in place for a little while and it'll be done. And now it's been something that 18 months later we're still dealing with and still wrestling with and still trying to figure out. And there's a lot of reasons potentially on why and But there's times where we underestimate or we don't give gratification or we aren't willing to be open enough to understand or listen to new ideas. How often we are leaving wisdom in the streets crying out and we aren't willing to potentially even listen to them. We aren't willing to consider that idea. We aren't willing to challenge our own ideas to think about the possibility of something new. In a time and in a place where there are a lot of things that divide us, I think this is an interesting text to have. When we look back at history, it's easy to say like, oh, I would have been with so-and-so. I would have been with the disciples and I would have been with Jesus and seeing, yeah, I think that's a good way of doing it, dying to save everybody. Yep, that that's, that's the way this works. It, it's so hindsight bias. We are so quick and willing to just jump there and say, yep, that's that's where we're at. But it's a lot harder going through it. And a lot of times that means we overlook things. In science, we do it all the time. It's amazing how we run back and look back at papers and we're trying to look at the history of how things were done. And is there something that has been overlooked? Something that we've missed along the way. Referring back to last week, how... 
green fluorescent protein in the 80s wasn't looked at as much in a decade later because a couple people didn't give up on it. It became something huge that by the end of the 2000s, 2008, it was a Nobel laureate. The idea and what they were able to do with it became a Nobel. The ideas and denial and things were well, that's not going to work, or us being so quick to shoot things down. It's one of the problems with humanity. And we've talked about this multiple times before, where we don't like change. And yet we have a God who wants us to continue to grow in our relationship with God, but also as people, to become the people that God wants us to be. And that means that then we need to be able to decipher when do we need to shut up and tame the tongue and just more walk out and be more choosy with our words. One of the times that we need to make sure and praise God and realize that we are human and that we're not able to do it on our own. When do we need to rise up and be that teacher in that situation, even when it's hard? Where do we need to acknowledge the wisdom of God? And be willing to go to those places where it is, even if it isn't necessarily where we typically are. Sometimes the wisdom is in places we like to avoid. Sometimes it means challenging our own ideas. Sometimes it means that we have to look beyond to understand what is for the greater good. And that's hard, but that's needed. The cool thing with publishing papers is in science is that you do have a history, you do have the ideas, and it's something that we then can go back to and think about and reconsider and think about things in new ways and maybe fresh eyes bring us a new perspective on something. So the Twitter question I have for you this week is more of a challenge. Go back and spend some time with somebody and thank them for the time of what they did for you. Or when has been a time that you've done that and what, it, what happened? Or when did you go back and take a second look at something and totally see it a new way? It's fun to think about it this way, especially that this is the second time now going through the Revised Common Lectionary. And it's so different each time that I look at these texts. Yes, there's times that I'll reference back and kind of see where was my thought process. But it's interesting because for me, this is kind of a living history of some of my life. And I can definitely dig into these files and find different life stories than probably most people listening and knowing just a little bit what was going on with me, but also just acknowledging and thinking about the perspective of life and how we look at these texts differently. We have to be able to be willing to think about things creatively. We need to be willing to be okay with denying ourselves. We need to be okay with maybe people just won't get it in our generation for whatever reason and trust that humanity will pick it up. Sometimes we then have to, as people, be willing to acknowledge that we don't have all the answers and be willing to hear new ideas that challenge our own. That's hard, but it's through the listening that we learn. If the disciples had sat there and actually listened to what Christ was talking about, how different would the story have been? How much more would they absorb? How many little things would have changed? But what can we blame them? They were most likely teenagers. And in a lot of ways, I think we're all still teenagers at heart with certain things. And it's something that we all could work on. But that's life. We learn all as we go. That's the thing that I seem to keep picking up. We get hopefully a little bit better at this thing called life the longer we do. And at some point, hopefully we'll figure it all out. So, we'll wrap this up as we always do. 
I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science. <laughs>